Welcome everyone to your Hawkeye podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. We got a little surprise for you, bro. The Hawkeye podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode two, Hide and Seek. It's brought to you by Herman's Hardy Slice, Italian heroes for your American heroes. So, Pete, it has just been a handful of days since we covered the first episode of Hawkeye. Here we are back with the second one. And just before we started recording, you were telling me that, uh, you know, in the uh, in the theory-oriented portions of the internet that I dare not tread down, uh, there is some major, major discussion going on for the remaining four episodes of this season-slash-series. Yes, there is a persistent rumor of a cameo that had not really been on the radar uh, now suddenly seeming to appear in the second half of this season. So, you know how I run spoiler-free, just so I'm clear and so our listeners are clear. The discussion that you're sharing here is discussion about a theory. It's nothing that you have confirmed or you have confirmed it how far does spoiler pete's mission impossible style digging of information get us on this one so i know everything through episode three i don't have anything for the second half however this rumor seems to get louder and louder uh it would seemingly matt um align with a lot of the Spider-Man No Way Home stuff that we've been hearing. Uh, so it remains to be seen. There seem to be a lot of things lining up here, particularly at the end of this second episode, a character that's heavily associated with the other one we're hearing about. Also, a uh, ominous line of dialogue that could be a uh nod of the hat there tip of the hat towards what's coming well pete why don't you take take the wrapping off of this one just because since you are saying there might be story indications in addition to rumors uh but this is not you know oh man on pete's doorstep was a package (laughs) and when he opened it it was glossy eight by tens taken with a telephoto lens like you know since you are not claiming since you're claiming direction of evidence, but not direct evidence, uh, Pete, can you say who who is heavily rumored to show up in the second half uh, of this six-episode offering? Vincent D'Onofrio will reprise his role as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, with the comic-accurate build believed to be Super Soldier Serum. So that then would presumably leave open the possibility that that he could still be the Marvel Netflix, Marvel Television era character. I think, Pete, I certainly would never run contrary to one of your uh, to one of your juicy theories. Well, maybe I do sometimes, but oftentimes I'm wrong. It would be interesting if you get D'Onofrio playing Kingpin, but in a different presentation, physical presentation, and no story explanation as to why, you know, that might have the added quote-unquote bonus, if you are some of the high-level people at Marvel Studios, of undoing kind of the existence or the MCU universe existence of, uh, of some of the older Marvel television stuff. But this is definitely one to keep an eye on. This is, the, the, this is a goodie. Well, this with the rumor of Charlie Cox appearing in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home as uh, Peter's lawyer. Um, so you'd get one in one, you'd get one in the other. Um, I think the multiverse stuff, you know, aside, they're increasing interest in bringing over some of the more popular um, depictions of these characters. Run, 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 run. 
Let's go through our run run recap after the Marvel Studios logo, Matt. A COVID era replay of the end of episode one. Oh, Pete, what makes it COVID era? Because we're getting footage again that we just saw in the previous episode rather than, yes, I am Hawkeye. Um, regardless, we get here, uh, Clint and Kate introducing themselves. She's just a kid. Uh, time to head on out. We get the brief title card. No credit sequence here. Uh, then they're walking away from the scene. Clint is assessing threats. You know, looking this way and that. Kate is soaking it all up. Uh, she says she's not a total noob. And with that, they head into her apartment building. Uh, we see the dog is there. The dog is fine. We get some reminder slash confirmation that she is 22. We see that this loft-like space has an archery set up. Uh, so where did she get the suit? Little recap. It was from a black market uh, auction. Um, and he is very dismissive of the 22-year-old vigilante. And uh, if she returns the suit, can he sign her bow? Pete, it's, it's Oscar and Felix here. It's opposites working together, being smushed together by... But by way of interesting story events. In this grubby yet spacious apartment that she's inherited, you know, you've got the archery target set up. You've got the repurposed uh, pizzeria table and chairs. You know, she lives right next to uh, the, the pizza place. Um, so a uniquely New York type of space here. Uh, he being her favorite Avenger, but the tracksuit mafia as on the nose as that name is, uh, they are the ones here conceivably looking for her at this point. Uh, but she's looking for the ones who killed her fiance's uncle Armand, the third of at least seven, (laughs) uh, Clint notes that the person who wore the suit, wink, wink, uh, made a lot of enemies, you know, back when he was wearing it. Uh, she says she has a clean path, no route back to her, except for when she stopped back at her apartment to drop off the dog, and the apartment has her name on it and so forth. So that, of course, has uh, led the tracksuit mafia to them there, right outside right now. They throw in uh, not one, but two Molotov cocktails, both of which land and start to burn uh the third clint catches preview style and throws it back uh there is this raging fire in her apartment uh nbd as the kids say kate fires an arrow at the fire extinguisher with which clink clank clunks all the way around then bounces out uh the window which i thought was a really like it was a great setup for a, a hero moment and then when it doesn't quite land it goes out the window some comedy, some reminder that she's, you know, she's a Hawkeye on her way up. Uh, finally, the fire, the fire sprinklers start. Uh, Pete, I don't know how quickly they should have started. I suspect maybe it was held for a little dramatic tension and or they weren't inspected properly uh, in, the, in the world of the story. Um, very quickly, we see Kate and Clint on the run going into the subway and then stopping in what I'll assume is a Dwayne Reed because as a lot of people know when you visit New York, uh, all the pharmacies and and shops like that are uh, underground with the subway, right? Yes, they are here. They need supplies. Hell yeah, Avenger supplies. Nope, some Neosporin, some Q-tips. Kate and ourselves are let down here. Get that rubbing alcohol off the lower shelf. Uh, the plan, are we going to go to the safe house at the Avengers Tower? But keep up, Kate Bishop. Tony sold that a few years ago. So sad on so many levels. Uh, has to find a place to stash Kate so he can recover the suit and clean her mess. But she says she's not a bag of money, which of course would be more useful to him. But she knows a place just 10 blocks away where they buzz the apartment uh, they're looking for is that of Moira, Moira Brandon Matt in 6D uh, they buzz everybody else hey pizza guy gets him in there this is her aunt's place in Florida and Matt you recognize the name right 
Um, I will once you tell me. <laughs> Moira Brandon uh, was, of course, in the comics. Uh, she was an actress. We see posters all throughout the uh, apartment bearing her name. Um, in the comics, she died, and Hawkeye made her an honorary Avenger. Oh, wow. So a good, I won't necessarily say a deep cut, but a good, a good use of the comic roster there, it sounds like. Um, we see Clint uh, setting uh, Kate up to clean her wounds. Then he leaves. He's headed back to get the suit. Uh, I love this scene outside and in Kate's apartment. Uh, there's the police line. There's fire trucks. Um, Pete takes me all the way back to, let's say it together, that Michael Keaton movie, The Paper. <laughs> you can enter any building with a, uh, a clipboard and a... Clipboard and a confident smile. There confident you go. Wave. So just the notion that he doesn't need to sneak in. He needs to just sneak from the police line to the fire truck and from the fire truck to the, you know, to, to the, uh, the coat and the hat and so forth. Um, and then he blends right in. He's going sneaky-deaky style. He feigns looking the place over for fire damage and whatnot, uh, but simply can't find the suit. He heads back out, ditches the outfit, and that's when he sees the sticker for the New York City LARPers. That's right, Pete. We're going to be heading into the world of live-action role-playing in a little bit, and boy, it's going to be just a great commentary about fans and stuff. But, but we're not there yet, Pete. Take us back to Kate's aunt's apartment. On the phone with mom here, a frozen pizza on her head when Clint returns. Uh, mom notes, oh, so crazy. The explosion in some kind of black market auction I know nothing about. Uh, but Kate's got to go. Love you. Uh, now, Pete, you aren't, are, are you perhaps suggesting that this story is... is um feeding into uh, I, I believe it's a tradition in some of those those marvel stories where the 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 friend in the first half in the second half is revealed to be not a friend i mean surely you're not suggesting they're going to do that here like they've done in other marvel shows this year right not at all uh catches clint up here that was mom uh, and Clint explains to Kate that a little girl in a ninja costume has stolen his Christmas. Um, she's been multitasking, reducing the swelling while thawing pizza's dog, pizza dog's breakfast. No, he doesn't have a name. It's kind of like a title of nobility, like Earl of Sandwich. Uh, but of course she did not clean the wound and he's got to redo it here. The status of her apartment, crispy. Okay, uh, not good. The suit is not there. Uh, she's taken to drawing some of her assailants here, the tracksuits with their doughy faces, very white. <laughs> um, Pete, listen, I've never fought the tracksuit mafia and suffered what could be considered to be a very deep cut slash just a scratch. Um, I do feel like even if I was somewhat in shock of having escaped the tracksuit mafia, I feel like I wouldn't put the tape along the, the cut. Um, but it is a Pete. I will bow to the story that Kate is new at this stuff. And Clint is not as he, uh, has her tape the wound perpendicularly to the cut. Uh, Clint is also searching for those New York city LARPers. He sees that grills, uh, has a new outfit. Now it's ninja style. Uh, cut to, rather quickly, I might add, the next morning where Clint is packing the kids into a car. They're headed to the airport, sans dad. Um, it, it, the the younger two children are, uh, pardon me, the older two children are reminded to not lose Nate, who momentarily is lost. Uh, Lila is given her own moment of close-up here. Pete, she's a Russo, okay? Lila's not a happy camper. Uh, she thought that he, Dad, would be home for Christmas. Oh, and she's really the one in charge because uh, she's a Russo. So, Pete, let me ask you this. Um, in the MCU, at least, which of the three uh, New York City area airports do you think the Barton family uses, all of them being on various levels of the hellscape? <laughs> 
I'm going to say they're definitely um, Newark airport people. I feel like that's the best choice out of three terrible ones. So so we're on the same page and, there. And they are entirely hellscape, yes. Uh, speaking of somebody whose uh, brother is a an airline uh, captain. Uh, Lila had noted the cut on Dad's forehead here. No big deal. Of course, he'll be home for Christmas. Back at Kate's apartment where there is pizza in the dog bowl. Um, a very familiar reporter explains that the uh, there's a major NYPD investigation underway into the death of socialite Armand Duquesne found in his home. Witnesses saw a mysterious figure leave the scene, which Barton arrives to hear. The description matches the masked assailant who was at last night's auction robbery. Is it the Ronin returned to New York City? And what will he do next? Uh, Barton notes that it's impressive that Kate has made the news twice in less than 24 hours. Uh, and then we get a commercial for Rogers the Musical on TV. Uh, we do. And Pete, as the story uh, moves on with uh, Clint, you know, readying himself to go find the suit with Kate uh, not staying put and going along with him. They're in Times Square near the Walt Disney store in Times Square. And by the way, Pete, yes, okay, you can see the naked cowboy in the background who, uh, of course, is not actually naked. More immediately, you can see those ever-present money grabbers, the people who dress up as uh, costume folks in Times Square and you take a picture with them and then they want money from you uh you can see ant-man and katniss everdeen pete that's a deep cut to the fact that um Haley steinfeld was a finalist for the katniss everdeen uh role in those movies and uh that's something they all got a laugh out of when that showed up in the script at, at that young an age she was the runner-up for that really or, or one of the runners-up Okay, interesting. interesting. I think it all worked. It, it, it all worked out for all involved. They had predated uh, her uh, her true grit role, but it's certainly possible. Um, what you may or may not know, I'm not talking to Matt. I'm talking to our listeners. Is that New York City has cracked down on those costume? Let's call them what they are: opportunists. And they now have very defined areas where they're allowed to operate. And I don't know uh, if where this is done is in that zone. This might have been a just for filming situation because oh, I... they're very, very aggressive with uh, tourists. A, I have no doubt that the two actors here playing Ant-Man and Katniss, that they are, you know, oh, within I'm, the production. Oh, absolutely. I just meant in terms of, like, did they did they tote the production to one of the designated zones where, you know, you mentioned the cowboy before and, and other people are, are known to, to lurk and get really, really, some have been grabby. And then you have the... Um, the ladies that don't wear much. Pete, in the MCU, okay, everyone, <laughs> even even the naked cowboy, there's a reason he's all the way to the back. It's because Disney has uh, Disney has high standards uh, when it comes to content and language and smoking on screen that they will always enforce, uh, except for the really great Beatles documentary, uh, which doesn't have nudity but does have language and smoking. But I digress. Pete, in the MCU, Kate notes that people nowadays, they want visible emotions they want heart on the sleeve not low-key jeremy renner i mean clint barton uh she reminds him that he's selling inspiration to the people people like her under 16 layers of protection here so perhaps how the hawkeye brand is going to change a little bit as the series evolves um as they part here uh barton says this We'll probably be the last time here. Put your phone number in my phone for emergencies only, or I will block and delete you. Goodbye. Cool. Call you later. I got your number. Um, 
there's a great rapport written between the two of them. Um, Kate now has been dropped off at her mom's uh, work, her mom's office, her mom's company, Bishop Security. Pressed uh, like David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> it was quite an Any outfit. questions? Uh, mom is in her office, however, meeting with Jack, and Kate offers her condolences uh, to, of course, the death of Armand. Uh, Armand's loss was a shock to Jack. Uh, They had a special relationship, which is stated in a slightly weird way. Um, Kate wants to talk to Mom without Jack. Jack understands. Pete, like I said for Hawkeye 101, I know from some of the characters' comic backgrounds, I shouldn't trust Jack. I know because of what I'm seeing, I shouldn't trust Jack and Mom. Um, I know because of the actor, I shouldn't trust Jack. From what I've seen so far, Pete, there he is. He's like, listen, you feel threatened by me. You want my approval, yet desire uh, for me to be pushed away. He's read a book about being a stepdad. Um, it comes off as ever so slightly um, kind of cloying. cloying and kind of power wieldy. But to me, again, thus far, and I don't have the wool over my eyes, he's probably going to turn bad anytime soon. But thus far, Pete, he's putting in the work. And let's give him credit until it all you know disappears yeah reading a book on being a stepdad is story code for not being a good stepdad (laughs) uh money well spent as kate notes here but jack's gonna cook tonight why don't you join us honey one condition that kate gets to come up with the conversation topics to central park matt and the new york city larpers come fight with us girls is there in his suit but girl in braids says to clint barton no looky lose though she might know who he is those are cops and firefighters and if he breaks the rules it's gonna get really messy so i know the story wants to introduce grills as an affable guy the story wants us to have a fun fight not fight scene they want to have this delightful bit that's about to unfold this character as a gatekeeper let's just review the logic here you can't go any farther because no looky lose okay fine i guess it's a private event uh going on inside a cordoned off area or something in accordance with central park rental codes or something i'll i'll, I'll allow that i get it Look, there's the Smith family picnic over there. Don't interrupt the pit. Okay, got it. Uh, She recognizes him. And I just want to repeat, Pete, something that I said last episode, which is, I know that that this show can't always exist in the reality I'm about to describe, but Clint Barton is one of the most famous people in the world at at this time that we're seeing it. He's also one of the most beloved people in the world on account of him, you know, helping save all of humanity, the universe, and bring back all those people who were gone uh, five years ago. So I guess I don't quite get why... I get why in the previous episode, he, he it's the, the meals on the restaurant, thank you for saving the city. I don't qu- quite get why this lady has given him such a hard time, except for story. Okay, fine. But to then throw in, these are firefighters and cops, so watch out. Can't he just say, yes, and I'm on the trail of some stolen, something stolen. Um, Again, I feel like, Pete, I know where we want to head. This is just not a great handoff to it. I mean, I I get it, again, for the sake of story. And then to make him jump through the hoops here. What's your name? No, thank you. Give me your email. That's classified. No, just let me sign in here. All right, this is my character's mission. Whatever. Beginners get a free hit. If you get hit in the torso, it's fatal. Oh, so violent. Okay, give him the armaments, the the helmet he won't wear with the fake hair. Does he have to? Okay, but what it does is set up this great, mostly slow motion scene through all the fighting uh, where, you know, he's tapping this guy on the back. Uh, he's beset upon by a circle of foes that he very easily hits every single one of them. Uh, there's a guy in a top knot who's dying in slow motion. There's the woman who makes a distorted scream that Renner just says, 
I think it's Jeremy Renner and not so much Clint Barton saying, goodness, (laughs) (laughs) before a woman dies at regular speed and he gets to grills, uh, who then tries to, I I think, lie that he's not in one group by saying he's a Viking when he's very clearly wearing the ninja Ronin suit. Um, yeah, ultimately there's, there's a choice of two options. Uh, Clint can, uh, pretend kill him or he can real punch him, uh, which was a nice, it was presented a bit better than I just summarized, but it is a nice, it's a funny little, little bit that, you know, was playing into kind of Clint's, um, uh, you know, lower energy presentation here. Uh, regardless, Clint notes he's taking the suit either way. Uh, Grills then offers up a third option. Uh, Grills will LARP kill Clint. Then Clint can have the suit because it will be long remembered that Ninja Man killed an Avenger. You gotta have a trial by combat. Back to the office here where Kate is texting Clint, miss me yet? Don't pretend to be busy with your friends. We both know you don't have any. Which nets her a call. But it's Detective Caudle of the NYPD. He wants her to come down to the station for a quick chat. She's unclear of the rules here. Can she ask what it's regarding? And he wants to know if she's aware of the fire in her apartment last night, which she doesn't seem too upset about. But she wasn't home. Thankfully, she's fine. Where were you last night? This is Jack watches as he leaves with the elevator there. Uh, But she's at work right now. How about tomorrow before work that she goes down to the station? Great. See you then. I don't think she's going to make that appointment, Matt. Uh, Pete, I don't think that she needs to, seeing as how that they agreed on neither time nor place. I mean, Pete, (laughs) it's the NYPD. Before work. Morning before work. Okay, well, listen. What's the detective's name again? Caudle. What time does Detective Caudle roll on in? I don't know if NYPD does shifts or if detectives can tweak things because it's a late night the night before and da, 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 da. So they don't have a time. Pete, the station? Okay, how many stations are there for the New York Police Department? Uh, you know, it's not like... Yeah, so... <laughs> I, and, and again, I understand because story, but... And I'm, I'm certainly not trying to build a pyramid here of like, look, here are all the many faults with it. I'm building towards a larger point. I will just say as a point right now, I'd like to stop saying I know why they aren't more specific because story. I know why he has to go all the way to play LARP because story. At a certain point, it should be because it is, you know, because the story is, not because I go, well, okay. Uh, Of course, she shoots the bell tower from across the thing on the second try because Marvel story. That's a given to sit and go, I'll see you at morning at place. Goodbye. Click. Um, is, I don't know, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a slight sloppiness here that I'm not, I'm not ready to excuse because story, because COVID, whatever. Pete, take me back to Central Park before I, I phone with the mouth too much. (laughs) Where, uh, Barton must drink the ritualistic potion. It's in a bottle, an imaginary bottle, but he's good. Thanks. And he's definitely not going to reap the benefits. The winner We'll take the suit here. Cling! Um, Pete, here's what I learned from this fight with the LARPer people. Um, I think the story thinks that LARPers are kind of lame. Um, perhaps it's a larger commentary towards cosplayers as viewed by Marvel people. I don't know. I would suspect probably not. Um, we, we get the fight. Ultimately, Clint... Um, begs to be killed, he loses, and later gets handed the suit off to the side. That was easy. Grills owns, uh, owes Clint. Uh, Pete, I hope that means more Grills, because I like Grills' uh, kind of upward energy and great on-screen presence. And uh, take that stuff back to the front desk, because they will charge you. It's Pete, it's a joke. I mean, it's a serious, but it's a joke. Uh, back home, like in the home. Pete, the home in our hearts from Age of Ultron. 
uh, also the beginning of Endgame. Uh, Laura takes a call from Clint. He won't be home right away. He's going to be missing uh, a flight. However, he does have the problematic wardrobe. Uh, he's going to uh, he's going to meddle with those tracksuit idiots, um, which she has in-depth knowledge about even though she was mm-hmm. dusted so that was fun like when she came back he was like great let me tell you what happened i killed him let me tell people. you about all these people i murdered for yeah. five years and uh and welcome back and also you know so yeah um however don't forget the promise made to lila laura don't forget it clint don't forget it pete don't forget it lila was told that you he'd be have home. five days beep, boop, beep, boop. pete it's counting down uh, Pete, with that, take us to uh, to the dinner at Jack's, which I see I misspelled as diner, and I was confused because I didn't think we were at a diner yet. Take us to the luxurious dinner that Jack cooked. Tell me about the risotto. Off the plan to, to do a little catch and release there, one of Nat's old moves. Uh, Jack is explaining the secret to risotto to agitate it just enough, then it's down to patience and attention like you know you upset your uh very talented physically stepdaughter and then you wait to weaponize her (laughs) uh pete as for jack okay i know you're telling me the breaking saul and all of that but you know what in 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 this in this the show better call bad indeed pete it's all it they've got the they've got the the cinnamon rolls and such okay but here jack he cooks he's attentive he's wealthy it's almost too good to be true mom says uh he's also a sword fan uh of course kate knows them too she knows that swords are useful to stab someone in the back uh and pete she says it in a way that's off camera so it's probably a line that was picked up nothing wrong with that okay you can fix stuff right until you deliver um, but I'd like to draw a little extra attention there. Uh, Pete, you've come on in and said, iconic villain, uh, Kingpin is coming, played by iconic actor Vincent D'Onofrio. I can't quite compete with that, but I will say they gave extra massage to this line here that swords are useful to stab someone in the back. I like to propose that we get a sword backstabbing, um, either made more clear, because that's how Armand went, or... Uh, rather and or uh, we see it happen somewhere in the you know the remaining episodes where she does it to jack something like that but this common interest here fertile ground for bonding kate's got some spare fencing gear they move the hall table and then uh jack completely lays down to get hit three times which angers kate what are you hiding not dad uh, and she tries to stab him in the face, and he deflects it artfully, of course, which Kate totally knew that he would parry. Uh, so he's going to go get changed, and Kate and Mom have it out here. He's hiding something. Wasn't it weird the same night his uncle threatens you that he ends up murdered by a sword? How many people die every year in New York City? of a sword wound she's guessing zero but matt it's mom's job with a security firm to protect her daughter right the daughter that they've had learn to shoot arrows fight with her bare hands and fight with swords right that the grand plan like mom's always planned in the fall after you've graduated you'll come work to me and carry out contract kills right (laughs) so a couple of things here first of all if the story's intention is for me in this scene to start to like i'll say legitimately worry about jack again I, i there's an air of mystery and danger to him and if you know Pete, if mom isn't going to be the surprise, surprise friend that you can't trust anymore, second half, you know, uh, reveal being a villain, then certainly it's Jack. And and again, I'm under no false illusions there. But if the intention here is for Kate to kind of prove it to we, the audience, okay, so he's better at fencing than, than he let her show. Like, once again, he's like, 
hey, kid, sure, we can arm wrestle. Oh, you got me. Like, as opposed to, womp, 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 I'm better than you. Ha ha. And, you know, I'm going to marry your mom. Like, he again comes off as kind of classy. And Pete, honestly, it's a cool move to be such a good fencer that you don't need to see someone putting a uh, fencing sword in your face. and You can bat it, you know, bat it away, knock it away, whatever it might be. Um, I'm not per- saying that, therefore, it's making Kate look bad. I'm just saying... I still like Jack. I like Jack until he officially does something, you know, like story bad. Like when he goes after the dog, then I'll be like, now, now you've sold me. Um, The gift that Tony Dalton has and gives you as a performer is just the affability and not if when Matt finally gets into the better call Saul, which is now a better show than breaking bad. Uh, and sees the physicality that Dalton throws into the role on top of being such a gigantic presence as a character. Um, Very similar to what he's doing here. You know, you, you like him so darn much. I also like in this scene, look at that seamless transition. I, there's a little bit of commentary here that's kind of like life commentary and not just Kate Bishop. It's maybe kind of like life, life commentary. This notion that Kate might not be happy now that college is coming to an end. And now where she's looking down the barrel of entry level in so far as she's going to be entry level at her mother's company. But you know, clearly what she's comes not... next when you work for Wilson Fisk, <laughs> but just this idea of, and I guess here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. We get a whiff of Kate at this major transition, the very end of the end of end of childhood, in that you know you're exiting the college years, you're exiting the, you know, all of that. You're about to enter the workaday world uh, in the fall and so forth. I maybe I wish that was a little bit more upfront in the story. And I know that you know this is a Marvel thing, and we have two leads, not one lead, and so forth. But it's a good point, and I think anybody who's watching this show who's had to transition from the end of childhood to the beginning of adulthood uh, whether that's the, co- the the handoff from college to you know uh t- to a job or whether that's you know high school you know, wh- whatever it is i think we can all we all in the adult world can sympathize and go yeah it, it was it is kind of like the end of the end and then it's a it's a beginning of the rest of your life it, it's worth reflecting over and this doesn't need to turn into a john hughes movie but it's worth reflecting over and they kind of don't, and that's not a complaint. It's in that Marvel style of, we have some stuff going on here with her, but we're also going to continue with the great character drama, and you can start apologizing to Jack, and we're about to do a butterscotch thing and whatnot, and before too long, we're going to be back to the first Hawkeye, beloved character of these last 10 years and all of that. So, again, Pete, not a complaint, just how about this? I'll, I'll, I'll round up to the positive. It's a nice mention of a time in people's lives as i think you know it doesn't get the john hughes high school attention um but i think it's a good point here and it wasn't the first time that someone tried to take um jack duquesne's head off if only there was a character that the first time we met him at the end of episode three of a series tried to take somebody's head off would you like a candy matt uh pete there's only one kind of candy I enjoy while making podcasts, and that's Armand 3 Butterscotch. The Butterscotch of Armand 3. And people <laughs> who <seven>. may have <laughs> recently visited him and killed him, because of course there's no other way Jack could have gotten it. Like, occasionally he visits his uncle and says, oh, let me grab some Butterscotch on the way out. Well, that's why I think, and, you know, not to, you know, shoot you down on the potential criticism here that that's why it kind of works it's not a smoking gun for her but it's enough of a wink like you had these i have looked at the script of episode one and i i know you discovered these and now i have them so only we two know and you can't prove i what did the murder um yeah, you, you know what, Pete? To use a metaphor from the footed ball, okay? It didn't get the first down, but it moved the ball about five yards. Uh, and again, I know we are almost certainly headed towards, 
you know, Jack is a terrible, terrible guy. Um, but we're not there yet. And if this butterscotch thing is getting us there but has not gotten us there, I'm okay with that. Uh, meanwhile, Clint is out walking. Oh, man, the tracksuit mafia finds him and swoops him up. Uh, easy peasy, just like that. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, Kate uh, calls Clint and gets his voicemail. She calls again. Uh, you know, sometimes you pick pick up on the second uh, second call and all that. Instead, gets a man, uh, a different man. Uh, she easily uses the Bishop Security app to track the phone. Uh, Pete, that's why outside the MCU, uh, I like using my iPhone where I think that's not possible, but maybe it is. I don't know. So I guess I'm both calling story baloney, and I don't have proof that it isn't story baloney if you're a high-end security company. So how about this? We'll just say she knows where the phone is at. Wakey, wakey, bro. The uh, bag that uh, Clint can see through here comes off. Nice place. Not creepy at all. But we're told by the tracksuits here that it's getting very hard to find a place because all the warehouses are being converted into lofts. I love the commentary in a scene that's not tense because clearly... Clint Barton has allowed himself to be captured by these tracksuits who are very much beneath him, but he's there to talk to their boss. Kate Bishop is guy, bro. Uh, again, Clint just wants to speak to their boss. Uh, they're confused. They're inter- interrogating him, but is he interrogating them? Pete, uh, it's like in the first Avengers movie when Nat ran the exact same thing. She was getting great stuff from them there. Um, he reiterates Clint does. He's never heard of Kate Bishop. With that, she falls through the skylight, derp style. Uh, luckily, she's okay, despite what's probably like a 20 or 30 foot fall. Um, a moment later, at least a moment later by way of editing, they're both taped down rather securely to uh pete what do you call those quarter riders you know put a quarter in ride the pony that kind of thing um and clint doesn't want her to talk uh pete then some ominous music plays take us to that yes somebody's hand in front of a speaker here uh and then when one of the tracksuits comes in to speak to the woman uh tells her we have them both repeats it and then dismissed with a hand wave here uh where the door closes again and she turns around and we end our episode with echo do you see what i see see what i see way up in the sky little land I see what you see. Is it a theory? Pete, let's start with this. Um, Are all of New York's bravest, a.k.a. the fire department, are all of them thieves or just grills? Because casually stealing stuff from a, from a, you know, from a fire scene, perhaps a a crime scene, if it was arson and so forth, just a stealing to make the story uh, go. I get that it's a ninja costume. Okay. It's a generic enough thing but this is the most infamous ninja costume in this universe and then it would be plucked out of the scene by a fireman that it would be worn then in a super high visibility location like central park okay larping get it but you know if anybody's gonna notice this oh isn't that the famous murder suit from the last five years like i saw it on ny1 last night yeah some serious serious questions okay again within the the bounds of story but as we've discussed here this this episode clearly not as strong as the sensational pilot for this series and really the two of them, the way that they're cut, this, the the other part of that. Pete, this is probably going to be a weekly question on my part, but catch me up here on your thoughts, your feelings, your predictions. Will Clint really be home for Christmas? I maintain Christmas. His family will come to him. Uh Unless, of course, they decide we're going to have him take Kate there 
and again the family you you find as opposed to the one that you have but i i really think it's it's coming to new york city pete what theories do you have uh the idea that kate's parents were crafting her into some type of soldier to some type of weapon all along we're told that, that this was always the plan that she'd come work for bishop security was this perhaps the source of their argument uh that the daughter was doing too much that eventually she would get wrapped up in their world if that's where they will have been headed because of course the training you know has happened in the past prior to most of the story um if that's all the case and i would have appreciated maybe some reference to like and mom when you were dragging me to two taekwondo class two different taekwondo dojos a week or some kind of some kind of suggestion that this was anything other than the girl who already was active and had all these you know ribbons and medals and whatnot um before the battle of new york but then afterwards uh, really, you know, personally doubled her effort to be like, I want to be a hero. I want a bow and arrow and all of that. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Pete, it's a little bit... I can't quite square the idea that that girl who was driven from this, this you know, interstellar attack on her city in 2012, that she's been personally driven by the attack on her home and the death of her father, that that also secret to that she's been secretly being trained as a killing machine for her mother can it be true yes but i mean again the story said and thus the child had this spark lifted to say i will bring you know protection and justice to the people who need it this concept that kate inherited her apartment given the space the wealth that the family has makes sense but it feels like okay, and then you got something from dad when you turned a certain age that you don't live in the uh, the penthouse proper anymore? What do you think that's about? Um, now that you mention it, and again, if this is all being because story, because they're rich, well, then you can kind of explain that a bit clearer. But now, again, now that you mention it, Pete, so wherever it is that she goes to school, it is not New York City. A, it didn't look like that with the whole bell tower bit. And B, there was the dialogue last episode in Pershing Square like, yes, mom, I am in town. I will come by. As opposed to, uh, of course, I'm in town. I, you know, go to college. I, I go and... to the college, <laughs> university in right. town. Um, so is it a little strange, as you're saying, Pete, is it a little strange that you know, mom has this fantastic place and then Kate has one, you know, also, I mean, you know, okay, it's a second story loft and it's not, you know, this penthouse, blah, 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 but it's, they're all just kind of living in midtown Manhattan. It's completely understandable if they are super wealthy and they're clearly super wealthy, but it's also a bit, I don't know, it's, I think as you're saying, Pete, a little bit more dialogue to say this is the, we're dad's old loft that he bought never got rid of and then like you know and then something 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 there's a little muddiness going on here again kind of returning to my theme of saying things aren't quite as sharp as i think they should be and story points like this it's not you know oh man you didn't get a realistic looking shot of times square at sunset okay i get it because covid or because you know so on and so forth this is stuff that can just be written as you need it clint um we got clarification on the hearing aid and the flashback quick of all the things he's been involved in that might make you hard of if not cost you your hearing explosions and physical uh you know abuse to your body through being an avenger um but then with his son quickly and, and this is why they're Marvel and why they're at this level of storytelling does the sign language. So he speaks and understands it. At the end of the episode, we get a character who is known from the comics 
and the show here is that she is deaf. So obviously there's going to be the ability to communicate with her. Um, Pete, you make me feel better now about the, the, the hearing aid and that, that path, which now like I'm totally on board saying now I get it. Now it'll be three full episodes to get to that point where it's uh, where it has been kind of baked in to baked into the whole situation properly, uh, particularly as we get ready for further uh, further on screen presence from Echo from actress uh, Aliqua Cox uh, herself um, a a deaf performer and you know a character that I'm really a character and an actress I'm really really excited uh, to you know, see grace the screen starting next week. A character who has long been linked to Wilson Fisk. So just another possible firming up of that idea there. Matt, we talked before that Laura Barton is aware of the problematic um, wardrobe, the Ronin suit and what was done with it with people like the tracksuit mafia and surely others, that her husband, fearing that she and their three children were gone forever, decided to make all of the bad people left in the world pay. Yes, he was a spy. He worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. and for Nick Fury, and he did things that were, you know, murder things. But the amount of savagery there, that wouldn't be an awkward conversation. So, honey, how have you spent the last five years? Oh, oh my God, you killed. There's just a trail of bodies everywhere that even made Natasha and Rhodey uncomfortable. Well, sure. Come on, get back into bed. Well, and let me let me add to it this, Pete. I mean, if not in a Hawkeye series, where would that scene take place fine it's not in the way this particular story you know is set up i i think that your your proposal that it be discussed on screen i i think is a great one and i don't know it's like i don't think they need to discuss it i'm just kind of surprised she wouldn't have a harder time with it perhaps the characterization could be a little bit more along the side of Oh, that stuff. Perhaps it can be filed under something that we've discussed before, which is clearly Marvel Studios um, is ready to move on from the, the snap and losing people and then getting everybody back. Like, we've had some of our, what was it like for street-level people to return? We've had some of the, you know... And then, all of a sudden, in my apartment, it's not my apartment anymore. And we've had, you know, is enough being done to resettle people in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think, you know, if we had the the Marvel Studios brain trust with us right now, I think they would say, you know, we're not turning this into, you know, um, the Cuban refugee question in South Florida, the series, the ongoing series of series. Great, we've dealt with it a little bit. Now we're going to move on to fantastic people doing fantastic things. Um, so, your point again. I think your point is a good one. We can just kind of start to file it away under Marvel doesn't really want to talk about that anymore. And in Marvel's opinion, you know, X number of months has gone on. And again, Pete, I kind of remain a little uh, mushy in the timeline. How long has Laura been back? Let's start with that. So it was confirmed by one of the producers. They are in 2024. Um, that was firmed up. So the line of years since Ronan has actually been a year. This is Christmas. This is the holiday season 2024. So they're three years ahead of us in real time. Obviously, uh, uh, a year after the events of Avengers Endgame. So, okay, you want to say within the last year, they've come to terms with it, um, in so far as to whatever degree one does. Um, I guess it's easier when you 
die and you're dead then you magically come back like i think it's probably easier to be like and while i was gone you did bad things because the world was a different place and it was the you know post-apocalypse and now everything's fine and we can just go back to that um i guess that's the answer is they dealt with it they dealt with it off screen they dealt with it in the past you're not going to get a a one shot or a flashback or anything like that and pete they're this happy family that we saw reunited by telephone uh or whatever in endgame why does Echo want Clint Barton alive? I don't know. And I, I I look forward to Echo being this great anti-hero. They've announced the Echo series being in development, which has been rumored for so long that when it was officially confirmed, you know, earlier this month, it was like, oh, yeah, the Echo show. Great. Okay, great. Um I guess that's a long way of saying, Pete, Echo is not going to be the worst person you've ever seen. I don't think we're going to see Echo like, oh, well, either answer this, Pete, I'll return to the Hawkeye series, favorite indicator of bad, you know, baddie badness. I don't think Echo is going to be like, it's either this or the dog, you know, goes off the pier in, in, uh, you know, with a rock tied around her. We're not going to have bad like that. I think there's some redemption there. And Pete, I'll go one further into hashtag Camp Pete. Um, if only there was somebody whose badness could be worse than Echo's, thereby giving Echo the ability to be like, you ask too much, Wilson Fisk, I now shall leave and go train uh, in, in, in the woods of New York until I'm ready for my own show. Do you think you're some kind of king, Pen? <laughs> oh, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to say his name. Uh, well, that uh... gets your head. Uh, you know, smushed in a uh, SUV door. It it will be interesting if they give us if they give us Wilson Fisk in any amount in any presentation. I mean, as we've talked about many times before, the beef between Marvel Television, Marvel Studios was real. It was not kind of a you know oh pardon me is that your corporate stuff my apologies i shall stay on my side you know it was it was a personal thing um i'll just repeat again pete until they give some sort of explanation like i used to be a big guy around here then in the second season i went to prison and then i got freed in the third season by bullseye and then now i took the super serums and now i look like the comics accurate version if there's not if there's that if they're or, or, or failing that kind of timeline, I'm going to be looking for any hint of Kingpin to be undoing the Marvel Netflix era. We're dashing through the snow to the mailbox. Pete will check Twitter where people could rate this episode in pizza slices, okay? Uh, the first and lowest choice, one pizza slice, LARP, got 3%. Two pizza slices, Broken Skylight, got 0%. Three pizza slices, Echo-tastic, got 30 oh, we'll round up, 31%. And then four pizza slices, Magnificent! I uh, got 66.7%, so lots of lots of love for this episode. Uh, we heard Pete from James the Sagacious. That's at Big Killing on Twitter. This is exactly what I needed this holiday season. Bring on the cameos. Uh, great minds think alike there, Pete. Uh, Andre Yeager, that's at Dr. Polo1983, said, The chemistry between Steinfeld and Renner is incredible. Love the little jabs she's always throwing. Also, bro, the tracksuit mafia are the new stormtroopers for Marvel. Wow, well done, Andre. <laughs> I love them and need more. Can't wait for next Wednesday. Pete, that is, I'm never going to not see that. Whether we have four episodes left of tracksuit mafia or they keep coming back and keeping back, that's fantastic. It is good. Uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf. Jackie with an I, Wolf with an E. More satisfying than the first episode. Uh, the action and humor were well balanced. No other Marvel series to date has topped Loki for me, but I hope the series sets uh, us up for more Marvel action in the future. Pete, even if you're wrong about the uh, about the Kingpin stuff, we know that we're getting more uh, <laughs> more Marvel action from this by way of uh, not just the continuing adventures of a uh, Hawkeye, uh, but of course the Echo spinoff. 
We heard also from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC 139 I like Clint as the father figure to this young hero that Kate Bishop is becoming. Hopefully the MCU Clint, like Jeremy Renner has said he'd like to do, will lead a West Coast Avengers like he once did in the comics. Of course, in the comics, he was married to Mockingbird. Uh, Pete, let me build something on Spider-Ham Lincoln's um, foundation here. Can we get Mockingbird back once um, once uh, that Star Trek-ish show that she's on is done filming, which will be happening, I think, sometime in the next couple months? I think they're done filming. I think they're uh, they have to release that third season. Well, there you go. So it's possible. It's possible, which then leads us back to... Uh, I don't think we're going to get that Mockingbird back. She was so I great. I mean, there's a reason people are clamoring for Charlie Cox and for Vincent D'Onofrio. And again, that's no knock against the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mockingbird that we got. Um, but that was a show where they spun off the, the most wanted... Um, Mockingbird, uh, you know, Bobby Morse and um, Hunter that they weren't good enough to get um, picked up as a pilot. So the idea that they'd get brought in here, apart from the complication that they're not married as they are in the comics, I, I, I think that's easy for them to bypass. We heard also from Bob Keeley, that's uh, at R. Keeley on Twitter, and Dr. Bob says this, I loved it. I quickly cared a lot for Kate, and the pacing was just right. This series is off to a great start. We heard from Jordan Tanner, that's at Mighty underscore Jor. I'm loving the series so far. That's with a PH. Kate is instantly uh, endearing as a character. I'm intrigued by the murder mystery setup here. Jack the Swordsman seems too obvious to be the killer. Also, I am suspicious of what happened to Kate's dad in episode one. Uh, kind of an eye raise emoji. Hashtag stay fantastic with a PH. So, Pete, let's ponder Jordan's words here for a minute. Is it too obvious that Jack is the killer, therefore it must be someone else? I mean, the grabbing of the sword that retracts and goes into his jacket, and then the next time we see the uncle, he's been stabbed to death. I it's a one-to-one and what cinches that is the butterscotch again as something between the two characters yet not openly acknowledged we'll see how it all comes to play i have a very hard time thinking they'd you know lead us down that and then but it was actually the dry cleaning lady on orders from wilson fisk Last tweet, Pete, comes from Barton Stan. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Thank you, Marvel, for not taking yourselves so seriously all the time. Who had Hawkeye LARPing in their holiday bingo card? Absolutely loving free Kate-Clint relationship. Is this supposed to be the Kate-Clint relationship? Uh, I already feel like there aren't enough episodes. Looking forward to more. Pete, forward with a PH. And forward, let's go. What do you have on your end? To the Facebook uh, for Fantastic Geek here, we have uh, Steve Adams who writes in, Although this seems an obvious thing to say, I love how each Marvel series has its own tone and feel based on the lead character and the story they are trying to tell. I am loving Kate's attitude and determination to be like her hero. I love Clint's impatience and the whole situation with the whole situation. I love Clint's family with and the ease with which they deal with his lifestyle and public profile. We know who Jack will become, but has anyone else noticed Kate's friend Greer? Her last name is not given in the credits, but how could it be anyone else? But Greer Nelson, AKA Tigra and the hallways outside Kate's aunt's apartment looked a little familiar. I'm enjoying Marvel's shift towards street-level heroes and stories in the TV side of the MCU. It worked well in the Netflix shows, and it works well here. The show is off to a great start, and I am really looking forward to Episode 3. Until then, stay fantastic with the PH. And I think that's one of the benefits that the MCU has where, you know, 
any of these properties, but particularly one that's maybe a little less, uh, you know, kind of Avengers razzle-dazzle when it comes to a Hawkeye show. You can have a Greer who is maybe just there for the one thing. Maybe that's something that is definitely set up and pursued this season. Maybe it is kind of filed away for, you know, in a couple years, if and when we do a season two, and it's, you know, maybe without Jeremy Renner and, you know, Haley Steinfeld needs a, you know, needs a new best friend on screen or a new person to, you know, to act opposite. Uh, then you can pull that character off the bench. Uh, or it's just, hey, if we need to have friend character, let's choose somebody who maybe we could do something with one day. Um, part of the MCU's success is having flexibility built in for as much as hashtag it's all connected for as much as, and we're going to deliver Thanos in eight years from now and all of that. It's also like how we get there is going to be subject to new ideas, new thoughts, and so forth. Well, Matt, new thoughts, but old friends. That's right. I'm talking about our pals of patreon.com slash fantastic geek, who, if they haven't noticed, have a new treat. Indeed, we put up a Patreon exclusive talking Mostly about the first Matrix movie, but also Matrix 2, Matrix 3, Anticipation for Matrix 4. We touched on the Enter the Matrix console video game, as well as a little bit the online Maporg or whatever they're called. Um, and we also also touched on the Animatrix. So basically we touched on everything um, in the world of the Matrix. Uh, and we did so, did so so stylized while wearing sunglasses and leather jackets. And we just feel... I don't know. We, we feel like we know Kung Fu now. On Black Friday, no less. So want to listen to that? Want to listen to all of the stuff we have on Patreon.com that makes all of this stuff possible? Get yourself to Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek today, particularly at the end of the year when all our bills are coming due. Super grateful, thankful to be 100% listener supported. Can't contribute right now. No problem. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. We really, really need ratings to our Hawkeye podcast, to our Book of Boba Fett podcast. That keeps us relevant, helps new people find us. Even if you can't write a review, little rating in seconds, you tap the star button there. It lets people know that people are finding us. Pete, with a week to go until we next podcast Hawkeye, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,160 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do me in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we are back tomorrow to talk Star Trek Discovery episode 402. Uh, Again, if you're here just for Hawkeye, back this time next week. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Guys, I can see through the back. Jingle bells, jingle bells.